This is episode number 352. How to go all in in life with Les Brown. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement, and that is if you've enjoyed any of our previous episodes, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. So I was thinking about you and your story the other day. Uh, I went to a gym with my uncle and my cousin, and I was sharing with my uncle my uh, upcoming experience of training for an Ironman. And he had said something to me that reminded me of your story and your background. And that's, he said, if you're going to do something like this, you're either going to have to go all in or nothing at all. And the reason why I thought of your story, so I came across your story and the connection that you and I have is that we're both uh, adopted. I was adopted internationally. And when I came across your story, this was probably five to six, maybe even eight years ago. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me was sounds like a decision that you had made many, many years ago, and that's the decision to go all in. And I'm really curious, kind of backtracking and, you know, going down your own memory lane. When did you make that decision that, hey, I'm going to go all in on this and there's no ifs, there are no buts. I'm going to make the most out of this opportunity that that I have in front of me. Thank you very much for asking that question. And also, thank you for the work that you're doing to empower people and make a difference in people's lives. I made the decision early on when I used to go to work with my mother. And I often say when I start my presentations, all that I am and all that I ever hope to be, I owe to my mother. My birth mother, she gave me life, but my adopted mother, she taught me how to live life. And I remember when she would be getting ready to go to work and she would say, if it's cloudy about to rain, Arthur's bothering me. And I asked her, Mama, who's Arthur? And she said, don't worry. You live long enough, you'll find out. And she was talking about arthritis. Even though she was in pain, even though her knees were swollen, her ankles were swollen from arthritis, she walked in the rain to the bus stop. She went to work, worked sometimes two and three jobs to take care of children that she did not give birth to. And that taught me about becoming a no matter what person, that in life, there will always be challenges. In life, you will have pushback. In life, you're gonna have failures and disappointments and things are gonna happen to you. And what you have to do is push yourself 
through the pain, you have to decide, I'm going to do this. And mm -hmm. whatever's in front of me, whatever life throws at me, I will deal with it and keep it moving. Do you feel like in your case, though, having made that decision, I, I've made that decision many times throughout my own life. And one of the things that, I, that I've learned is that there are so many opportunities to go back, to turn around, to not persevere, to not keep going, right? And I'm wondering, in your case, what kept you going? Because I'm sure that you faced a fair share of your own difficulties, right, over the years? <laughs> I don't think you're immune to that. <laughs> I share your share and a whole lot of money. <laughs> so as I speak to you right now, I received the Cancer Center's Award of Perseverance. I'm a 29-year fourth-stage cancer conqueror, okay? And people say, well, what keeps you going? I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> that I have this saying, if life knocks you down, try and land on your back, because if you can look up, you can get up. <laughs> mm. And I have a friend, Orrin Hudson, I admire you. I spent some time with him yesterday. And if you ask Orrin, Orrin, how you doing? And I adopted this from him. He said, the best day of my life. And I said, hey, man, I want to ask you something. He said, what is it? How could you say that? I know you got stuff happening to you. He said, Les, every day is the best day of your life. If you don't believe it, try missing one. I said, mm. okay. <laughs> and so to me, that things are going to happen. Scripture says, think it not strange that you face the fiery furnaces of this world. You will, not you might. You will have tribulations. And it doesn't really matter what happens to you as much as what happens in you. Elsie Robinson said, things may happen around you and things may happen to you. But the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. Mm -hmm. How you decide how you're going to address this, how you're going to deal with it. That's all that really matters. And what we have to do is master ourselves in how we approach this thing called life because it's full of what Viktor Frankl calls in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Unavoidable Suffering. That's an exceptional book, by the way. I, I read that book a couple of times by now. And, and for me, what stood out the most is his ability to Find happiness in the darkest of times. I, I I still remember there's this section in the book where he goes in the yard and he knows him and the people working there. They know that there's going to be a group of them that's going to get executed that day. And yet he still continued to smile and put smiles in other pe people's faces. And it, it kind of gets me curious as far as what you just mentioned, and that's this ability to choose. Why do you think some of us have this ability or power to make that choice, to understand that so much of it is about how you react, how you engage with the everyday life, and then others aren't able to? I think some of us are what they call skaters. You and I are skaters. There's some people, you take their eyesight and you have a Stevie Wonder or you have a Ray Charles. And there are other people that as a result of that, 
they break down as opposed to look at this as an opportunity for a breakthrough. I have a friend and Nick Vovich, and we were we went to to Poland. I, and I wanted to go to Auschwitz because I worked with a guy named Sam Axrod, who was one of my early mentors. And there I was in first class with Nick. And I usually carry a computer. I don't know how to use the computer, but everybody else in first class, they have a computer and they use it. So I would pull mine out and act like, I, oh, well, I'm not going to work now. I'm just going <laughs> to he took out his computer. Someone set him up. And he's born with no arms and no legs. But he has one big toe. Here I am. I closed my computer. I got 10 fingers. He's got one big toe. He types 42 words with that one toe. I wanted to slap the hell out of that toe. <laughs> <laughs> what in the hell are you doing? And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, man, life is hard work and hard work. I said, what do you mean? He says, H-A-R-D. It was hard for me to learn how to type up to 42 words with one toe. And it's H-E-A-R-T. It took hard to work through all the frustrations and the mm. disappointments and the negative thoughts in my mind that I was wasting my time. It takes hard work and hard work to live life. Because at the end of the day, if you do what is easy to live a life of mediocrity, your life will be hard. But if you do what is hard, the willingness to put in the work, the effort that is required to learn and develop a new skill or to increase your value or achieve the things that you want to achieve, your life will be easy. So do you intentionally seek out hard moments in life then? You don't have to seek them out. <laughs> they won't visit you. Oh, they don't need an invitation. They're coming. They're coming. It's, it's called life. Life be lifing. As I talk to you now, four weeks ago, I was in a hotel, La Meridian Hotel in Fort Lauderdale. Got up to go to the restroom. My life changed. I slipped in an area where they were mopping and did not have a sign saying slippery when wet. I'm 77. And from that time to this time, I've been going through excruciating pain. They want to give me... A, a, a painkiller, tramadol. I said, oh, it's not that addictive. I said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want any kind of opiate in my system. And they said, well, bear the pain. And I said, okay. And it's challenging. But I'm not going to allow that to cause me to weaken my will to not handle the pain as my mother did and deal with it and work through it. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to surrender and say, okay, give me that tramadol, that opiate. It's not that addictive. No, homie ain't going to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been in your shoes more times than I could count.
slipping oh, on to all kinds of different floors and then reacting to the circumstances, right? Why was there no sign there? Who did this to me? And then I started to realize after a while that, and you've touched upon this point many times, so much of life is truly about how you respond to the circumstances. A friend of mine once said to me this, this was many years ago, and it stuck with me ever since. He said, all events are neutral. The difference between them is the meaning that you choose to assign to them. Like in that case, right? What actually happened? The floor was wet. And then from there, there was a, a series of events and circumstances that transpired. But even within that, the difference is how did you choose to respond to those circumstances is key. Yes. Shakespeare said it another way. He said the four, the, the think, no, he said nothing is neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. Mm -hmm. So my mindset was, okay. I'm hurting. My daughter taught me gaps are from God. So I had moments when I could not get up and move like I wanted to move. And I asked myself, how am I going to maximize this time that I have with me? And as I began to look at and reflect on my life, I realized that I was giving more away than I was pouring into myself. Yama Von Sant said something that I used to say quite often, but I wasn't applying it in my life. She said, give to yourself until your cup runneth over and then give to others from the overflow. So during those times when I was immobilized and I had time to reflect on my life, I decided that I was going to give more to me in silence in journaling and listening to things that can empower me that will allow me not to focus on the pain but to turn that pain into purpose and how i can move forward in my life i said like something one of my mentees that i train and his name is willie jolly and he said a setback is a setup for a comeback and i said to myself i've got comeback power mm. I'm going to use this to continue to teach and to help people to realize that there are moments in your life that you have to push through the pain come on somebody well <laughs> did you ever feel guilty though on giving to yourself first and the reason why i asked that is because at least based on my experience the experience that i was brought up with was help others before you help yourself. And I think that's a common methodology for many people that I've sp spoken with. No place in my psyche for feeling guilty about taking care of me first. <laughs> in order for us to give to others, you got to dip into the bucket. You can't give from an empty bucket. So you have to replenish yourself. You have to take time to refuel to reset, to begin to ask yourself, what are the things that I need so that I can continue to live a servant-driven life? Because the other day, a friend of mine, he passed. And I met him years ago. And his wife went into a coma 
about eight years ago. She's still in a coma. He was her caregiver. Everybody, including me, thought she would die before him. No, many caregivers die before the people that they're taking care of. Mm. You have to have a plan for being here. Part of what I ask people when I'm doing my training with them, I focus first on the messenger. And I look at the goals that they write down and I ask them, what strategy do you have for being here? Being here is not a given. If we're going to speak and give people hope, if we're going to speak and inspire people to get outside of their comfort zone, to challenge themselves, because in order to do something you've never done, you've got to become someone you've never been, you've got to take care of you and, and operating from a thinking in your mindset. Don't practice what you preach. Preach what you practice. So I'm focused on you, not your message. I'm Focus on the messenger. What strategy do you have for taking care of you? So that when you show up, not only are you inspiring people to become the next greatest version of themselves, but you are a reflection of that. Wow. Where do you begin? Where does that begin? <clears throat> I know, obviously, you said it's, it starts with asking of the question, but I'm wondering, is there a step even before that? It, it, the, the step is that you have to decide that your life is worth your taking time to look at and ask yourself the question, am I on course? Am I doing the things that I need to do that will allow me to continue to operate at the, at the highest level of service that I can begin to impact people's lives? Because if I don't get enough sleep, I could hurt somebody <laughs> in my sleep, you know? And, and so it's going to affect your attitude. It's going to affect your ability to think. It's going to affect your ability to be present with people. If you don't get enough rest, if you're not eating properly and not moving your body or stretching your body so that you're feeling better inside of yourself, we are more than a bag of bones and blood. We got to nurture ourselves. And most people don't take the time to do that because many of us, and I've done this, get caught up in the distractions of life. We're living in a time what they have is called the attention economy. Because unlike any time in my 77 years on the planet, we have more distractions than ever before. Things that we get sucked in on. I, I, I was angry with myself on more than one occasion, I started looking at something and said, this is crazy. And then I looked at another one. Then I looked at another one and two and a half hours had passed. And I said, what in the hell am I doing this for? This is not a good use of my time. I got mm -hmm. it. And so we have to be mindful and monitor what we expose ourselves to. We have heard the expression of garbage in, garbage out. No, garbage in and garbage stays. And it shows up in your attitude. It blurs your vision. It creates a negative mindset. You begin to suffer from the virus of possibility blindness because you haven't spent time to expand your vision of yourself and doing the work so that you can become the kind of person to do the things that you want to do. Because in life, 
you don't get what you want. You get what you are. That's so true. I never thought about it through the lens of garbage in, garbage out. But what you just described, and that's garbage in and garbage stays. The garbage out part is a conscious choice that one has to make in reflecting, processing, and understanding how you receive the information and what is the information that you want to keep. You have to overpower the garbage. And the garbage is stronger than the positive stuff that we bring in. If I say to you, listen, Oleg, you can't do this broadcast. Mm -hmm. Someone else is to come along and say, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it 17 times to neutralize that negative statement that I spoke to you. That's why my favorite book says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So we have to program ourselves for greatness. We were born for greatness. We are born and, and made in the likeness and image of God. It doesn't give and get any better than that. We've been given authority and dominion over everything on the face of the earth. But we will never exercise authority and dominion over our lives until we exercise authority and dominion over what we are not. Most of us are living a lie. We're living what life has told us. The mm. conversations we've heard, the things that we've observed, the things that we have experienced, and we took those things on. We made a decision that this is me. We make decisions, and our decisions make us. And through enlightenment, through listening to conversations just like you and I talking right now, we begin to expand a person's vision of themselves beyond their mental conditioning, beyond their culture, beyond the things that have been spoken to them and allow them to see themselves living a different kind of life. My favorite book says, I'll give you all your eyes can see. And so what we do is cast a vision for people to begin to believe into the light that they see for themselves. So how do you pick who you listen to then? Because I think that's important. What serves you? You don't I mean, give you a great point. A friend of mine wanted to become involved in the career of law enforcement. And her boyfriend was driving a car and he was pulled over for a ticket. And he was on probation. And he said, look, I got some weed on me. He took the weed out of his pocket and he gave it to her. He said, I want you to say that this is yours. You don't have a record. But if they know that I had the marijuana, I would go back to jail for violation, probation violation. She said, no. But many girls take the rap for their guys. But her vision, her purpose narrowed the choice that she made. If she didn't have a goal of becoming involved in law enforcement, a goal of doing something different with her life, she'd have said, okay, because he said, you're not going to go to jail. They'll just give you probation because you don't have a record. But I've got a record. She said no, because she knew if she had anything on her record in her background that she'd been arrested for, for the possession of marijuana, she would not be qualified to advance in a career of law enforcement. So she decision that was in her best interest. So what we have to do is begin to consciously look at ourselves and, and decide consciously to make decisions that don't contradict who we are. Many people 
make short-term decisions that have long-term consequences. Mm. I couldn't agree with you more. And the reason why is because I think I've been there, as I'm sure you've been there yourself many, many times, and I've come to a similar conclusion, and that is really asking myself the question of, is this serving me? And not only in the moment, but is this going to serve me in the long term, which I think is something that you've also hinted towards, and that's having some sort of vision, having some sort of map, understanding that that map is probably going to change over time, right? And the steps that you think are the steps that you need to take will most likely not be the steps that you'll be taking. But I think having some sense of larger overarching picture is like having a moving target. And I find that to be much better than having no target at all. Yes. There's a saying, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up someplace else. <laughs> it's true. And think about how often that happens in our lives. We are energy. And if our energy is not used productively, we will unconsciously engage in self-destructive behavior. And so we have to decide each day when we open our eyes, how am I going to use this energy? Life is God's gift to us. And he, how we live our lives is our gift to God. And most people go through life living a life that's a liability to the planet as opposed to an asset. And we have to examine ourselves constantly and ask the question, am I on course? Am I doing the things that represent the best in me? I'm curious. I, I want there's something else that you said earlier that I was that I had a question about, and it's this concept of negativity and positivity. In your opinion, why do you think negativity appears or maybe truly is that much stronger than positivity? Why does it counter more than one thought to counter a negative with a positive? We're wired for it. We're wired for negativity. It's, it's much easier to give in to your emotions, to, to live like most people live. One of the things I say to young people, if you want to become successful, do what you know, not what you feel. I don't feel like exercising. It's easy not to exercise. It's easy not to do the things that we know. It takes discipline. Socrates said the undisciplined life is an insane life. It, makes, it takes discipline to make decisions, to do what you know, not what you feel. And we make decisions and our decisions make us. There's a book that I saw recently and I love the title, Average is Over. It's a different space. Just being average is not enough. We've gone from brick and mortar to click and order. This is the era of the three C's, accelerated change, overwhelming complexity, and tremendous competition. And so I could have very easily said, I was born in an abandoned building on a floor in a poor section of Miami, Florida. I was adopted. 
I was labeled educable mentally retarded and put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade and failed again in the eighth grade. I could have very easily said I was brought up in a culture that was designed to destroy my sense of self, to deny me, to demonize me and dismiss me. I could have very easily made the decision, why bother? What the hell? I could have adopted the position of a character, invisible man named Bigger Thomas. He said, the impulse to dream has been slowly beaten out of me through the experiences of life. But I refuse to surrender to that conversation. We have two voices in our heads. And, and that's why it says, the road to life is straight and narrow, and few there be that find it, because few there be that are willing to make the hard decision to do what they know as opposed to what they feel. Mm. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I think I'm not going to say it has to be a challenging journey. I can only speak from my perspective, but it has been a challenging journey. Rewarding, joyful. I'm like the lady who said, Lord, ain't what I want to be, ain't what I'm going to be, but thank God what I was. You know, about three saved years when I was LB, Triple P, Les Brown, you plan to play it proper. There were none before me and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single and love to mingle, certified, bonafide, dubitably qualified to bring you satisfaction, a whole lot of action. Look out, baby, I'm your love man. That's <laughs> <laughs> a different person. Yeah. That's a different dude. He's going now. Bam! I thought he raised his head. You got to kill him again. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever gone back in time and thanked that person who actually gave you that opportunity? Because I remember hearing your story and bringing the coffee over and over again and until you got that one chance, which I don't know, it sounded like you got the one chance where you kind of created that chance. But did you ever go back in time and say, hey, had it not been for you, I may not be who I am today. Absolutely, because we live life going forward, but we learn from life looking back. And there are people, circumstances, and events that have an impact on us. I remember in the middle of the night hearing a quote in a movie called Magnolia. Didn't see the whole movie starring Tom Cruise. And he said, we might be through with our past, but our past is not through with us. And we have the opportunity to reflect on our lives and to go back to those people or those situations where we can revisit and, and we thought they happened to us at that time, but they happened for us because had those things not taken place, we would not be who we are now. I've done similar things in my life. I've actually, I had a moment where I had graduated from college and I had this realization that had it not been for my sixth grade teacher, I may not have had the opportunities that I had because he was the first one. So my story is that I came here when I was in sixth grade from Russia. <clears throat> I didn't speak English. I didn't know anything about this part of the world. And I'll he literally, say it again. 
Ya vas la blue. <laughs> ya torre. But <clears throat> had it not been for him, I, I don't think I would have had the same opportunities because he was the one that took the time before class and after class and taught me English. And literally starting with one of those alphabets, you pick up the letter and it says A, apple, B, banana. And I for me, doing things like that is important because I've understood that I had gone through so much of my life and not taken the time to reflect and thank people for the small and the big actions that they've done in my life. And the reason why I chose to do it, and I'm curious why you choose to take a step back and thank those people in your life. For me, I begin to realize that so many people go through life without ever knowing the impact that they've had in another person's life. And the simple thank you at times, I've seen it define careers. I've seen it reshape their lives. I've seen it change their entire trajectory moving forward in knowing that they made a difference in one person's life. Yes. I learned gratitude from my adopted mother. And she taught me how to appreciate the little things. She always said, Leslie, yes, ma'am, mama. It's the little things that count in life. And, and when we live our lives from a place of gratitude, life takes on a whole new meaning because we realize but for the grace of God. She could have said when my birth mother, who came from Gainesville, Georgia to Miami, Florida, poor section called Liberty City, my twin brother and I, we were a secret. She was married and she got pregnant while her husband was away in World War II. And she waited our birth mother to find the person who would take twins and not separate us. And so Mamie Brown said, I'll take both of them. I've never had any children before. I'll take both of them. And a reporter asked her, at the time I had a, a nationally syndicated talk show, how did you know you could raise two boys by yourself and you've never had children before? And she said, I just believe the Lord will make a way somehow. And when I heard her say that, I realized they always called me as a kid, Mamie's boy. I watched her more than my brother did and my sisters because she, she adopted five other children. And I watched her and I admired her. And I took on her personality to a very large extent. And it, it to this day, I'm always looking for ways in which I can help people. And my children, they have an attitude. They said, you're always helping strangers. I said, well, look at my life and look at yours. You're supposed to be doing better than me, but you're not even gotten started yet. <laughs> <laughs> You should emulate me. Don't hate, celebrate. 
what's your relationship like with a lot of your brothers and sisters? Brother, single brother? I have a well, I have I, I have a, a, a biological brother, my twin, and I have five brothers and sisters. We talk on a, on a, a regular basis, weekly, and and it's a very positive relationship. They look at me as an alien. I'm different than all the rest of them. None of them have ever been to a, a seminar that I've given. None of them have ever read the books that I've read. None of them have decided, you know what? I can do that too. That, that's not something that they have chosen to do with their lives. I, I can identify with a, a poem by Robert Frost, two roads diverge in a yellow wood and I, I selected the one less traveled by. I think there are always one, like you are the one. There's always one in a family that decides to take the road not taken, not traveled by everybody else. I'm that one. <laughs> How does that impact you? Do you feel lonely? Does that bother you that you're the only one that's taking that path? It's lonely at the top. There's no question it's lonely at the top. But you eat better. <laughs> that is true. Yes. In many different ways. That is, a, that is a fact. Yes. Yes. Life is beautiful. Oh, yes. Oh, behave. <laughs> But it's, it, it's an interesting point that you bring that up because I've experienced different elements of that myself. And I think the thing that I begin to discover is that at the end of the day, it is a choice. And it's probably not – it's a different choice, but it's not any, any different than any of the other choices that people make. And what I found is that in going on that path and going on the journey that – I don't think many other people within my circle and my family share. It's something that I've learned not to blame them or blame myself over. Yes, I just say, but for the grace of God. And something I learned from Mr. Washington, they used to call me DT, the dumb twin. And he said to me, Leslie, I said, yes, sir. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And what he was saying, that what people think about you is none of your spiritual business. It's not what they think about you. It's what you think about you. Mm. And I live from that place. It's true because at the end of the day, something that I've also learned is that people will always have opinions. My uncle, I think he said it best. Opinions are like behinds. Everybody's got one. There you go. Literally, you beat me to it. The, those are my words. And I was going to use a different word other than behind. Yeah. But that's what my uncle told me many, many years ago. He said, our opinions are like behinds. Everybody has got one. And it's very true, though, right? And in most situations, people will give you their opinion when you're looking for it and when you are not. Right. You will receive it either way. Yes. And I don't listen to things that I can't grow from. And I don't listen to conversations that don't serve me. I keep 
of, of social distancing from dream killers, people with large ears in case they have the monkeypox, and negative thinkers. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad list. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you have going on? How do people connect with you? Obviously, simple Google search will do the the trick, but I'm curious, anything that people can be a part of, anyone that's going to be listening to this that can see you in person, see you virtually, yes. how can I, they do that? There's something that's governing my behavior in the time that I have left on the planet. I have more yesterdays than tomorrows. And I heard a friend of mine say, that there's no success without successors. So what I'm doing now is looking for people who want to be messengers of peace, of harmony, and of joy. In all of the chaos and all of the confusion and the bitterness and the ugliness that's going on right now, we need ambassadors that will speak life, peace, harmony, teaching people how to work together, to turn to each other rather than on each other, and help people to learn the methods and techniques to have joy in the midst of the adversities of life, that joy that passes all human understanding. And they can go to lesbrown.com. I have a, a training program teaching people how to do that, how to use their voice to make a difference, to monetize their voice. And also I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and people who are interested in work with me one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, but we vet them, we screen them because I don't want to work with everybody. I like people that are hungry to make a difference. They can email me at lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Seven is my lucky number, lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.